I find a good question to always have in the back of my mind is the question why they tap on something and you're like oh why did you tap on that what did you think was going to happen when you tapped there is always a good one because it kind of helps uncover like what they were expecting and maybe their expectations weren't met why weren't they met Uh, so that's really valuable insight there Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators. My name is Femke. And my name's Charlie. Today we're recording an episode that's kind of a follow-up from episode 127 that we did a couple of weeks ago, which was about user research. This time, though, we're going to be focusing in and doing a deep dive on user testing, which is a part of the research that Femke talked about in that episode that they do at Uber. I touched on it as well, having, having done that in previous roles. But I think it deserves its own own episode, right, Fem? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, after we did the episode on user research, we had a request from Michael ah. uh, who asked if we could go more in depth about user testing and kind of, you know, pull out the nitty gritty there. So here we are. Hopefully it'll be a good show. Michael, this one's for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to say before we start off, we had a message from Matt on Twitter when we put a call out for questions, as we usually do. And Matt says, please call them usability tests, not user tests. You're testing the usability of the software, not the person. Which, A, great point. Yes. B, also <laughs> semantics. And uh, we can't promise that we're not going to say user testing throughout this. Because I think that's just... Habits. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just habits. And that's what I've known it as in the, in the industry. But I know that when I say that, I'm meaning the usability of the software. So. Yes, indeed. Yes. Fem's going to kind of be leading the charge on this one, really, because... You have a lot of experience with doing this at Uber, more so than I have. I've not been as directly involved in usability testing as you have. <laughs> um, before we get started, is there anything to like catch us up on? It's not been that long since we last recorded, but anything you want to share? Nope, not really. Um, <laughs> simple. <laughs> we recorded like literally 24 hours ago. And in that 24 hours, what have I done? I, I've gone to work. I've gone on a run. I've had dinner. I ate cheesecake. Yeah, that's, Ooh, that's been my life in the last 24 hours. So not that much exciting things to update, sadly. You? I've been flat hunting. I guess that's kind of exciting, but mostly just frustrating, to be honest. Just trying to find a new place to live in London is, yeah, stressful. Sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, the market is, it's like the landlord's market, if that makes sense. You know how that had say it's a seller's market if it was actually buying instead of renting. So, yeah, there's a lot of places that are very expensive and not all of them are great. And you've just got to find that like diamond in the rough, basically. What's uh, the competition like at this time of year? Like, is this a popular time of year for people to move? I don't really know much about housing. I have no idea, to be honest. I don't know if this time of year would be any busier or less busy than any other times. I think it's quite busy because it's um, end of like, it, the semester starts starts back up in September, which is like our move date. So, yeah, I think it's kind of busy. But also the kind of places that we're looking at aren't really student places. So Sure. Hopefully you're not competing with students. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. There's some rich students in this world. So, there are. You know. There are. Let's be honest. <laughs> anyway, let's just dive straight into the topic then, I guess. Enough about flats. Fem, do you want to start by outlining, I, I guess, your experience with with user testing and what it looks like for you, how it's involved in your process. I know we touched on this in episode 127, but 
We have to remember that not everyone listens to every episode, so perhaps a quick refresher. Yeah, for sure. So I have been participating in user testing sessions sessions, uh, since I joined Uber about a year ago now. And it wasn't something that I'd really done before, but I openly embraced it and thought it was really neat that that's quite baked into our design process there. Luckily, I'm fortunate enough to have a dedicated user researcher in my design team. So he actually leads a lot of this and I kind of join in as much as I can or when necessary. So he's kind of the driving factor. He has a lot of experience doing this. He's very good at it. And I, as the designer, come along and observe or sometimes I participate as well, which is really first of all like really awesome and helpful to be able to be involved as the designer uh because otherwise like if if you have the researcher doing the the testing and things like that and then you just get filtered through information through a report or or catch-up meeting or something it's just not as effective so being able to actually be there and sort of see the people interacting with your you know, design or experience is so beneficial and so helpful. And for me, it's kind of helped me build a lot of empathy for the people who use our products and also like challenged my assumptions a lot. So I I work a lot on the driver side. So mostly the driver app, which most people are more familiar with the rider app, obviously. So people aren't as familiar with the driver app, but essentially like, you know, so many different kinds of people use this app, Uh, people from all kind of different markets and different backgrounds, different culture, different, you know, language capabilities. Some of them can't read as well as others can read things like that. So there's a lot of things to think about. And when I started and was kind of, you know, creating and designing experiences for drivers in my mind, I had this picture of, you know, like a pretty well-educated, well-informed person who knew how to use an iPhone. And, you know, obviously they're going to notice this button and and things like that because they know how to use a phone and and they're well-educated. But the reality is that not everyone is that way. So actually being able to participate in these in-person testing sessions and kind of see in real life, you know, who these people actually are that are interacting with the, the experiences that I'm creating really helped me paint a more accurate picture in my mind of sort of like what the average driver is and who they are and how they might interact with with my design or my experience that I'm creating, which is so helpful, right? Because it's so easy to like have these assumptions and kind of think when you're designing and creating these experiences like, oh, well, you know, this is pretty obvious, right? Like we, obviously, if we're going to put a close button up here in the top left corner, everyone's going to notice that, right? Uh, but that's not always the case. So that's where I found these testing sh- sessions to be really, really valuable in my design process. Yeah, I can definitely see how that would be the case. That sounds amazing. I'd love to, if you don't mind, break down like how a user testing session works for you and to do this, we had a list of really good, like nice, short, sharp, to the point questions from a user on Twitter called Sergey. I think is his name. So, is it alright with you if I just run, th- yeah, run through? Quick fire, quick fire, sure. Some? Yeah. Okay. So, are your tests done? I think I know the answer to this, but are your tests done remote or in person? And also for each of these, I'd love for you to explain why you do them this way. If the other way is being considered, or if it would be fine as well, it's just you know that you do them this way. Sure. So, remote or in person? Uh, both. Okay. So this can depend. We have done testing sessions remotely. If the 
person or the, the type of person that we want to test with is living in another country or abroad or whatever. And we might not have the time or the resources to justify going there in person. Uh, you know, that takes time and planning and preparation. Maybe we just need some quick feedback, like a couple of tests is fine. Then we'll do it remotely. And so we've done that over Zoom is a conferencing tool that uh, we've used to do this. And also we, we do it in person. Uh, if it makes sense, sometimes we do research trips where we actually go out into the field. So we might travel to a country or travel to a city or something like that and do testing sessions in person. Or sometimes we actually call people in to our office. I haven't particularly been involved with that because mostly we do that with riders and I don't work very closely with the rider side of the business. Uh, but if we want to test something regarding riders, then sometimes we just recruit like riders locally here in Amsterdam. There's a pretty high chance that you'll bump into someone in the supermarket that's used Uber before. Let's just say it that way. Uh, so it's pretty easy to recruit someone that's familiar with the product and get them to come in person. Cool. Okay. I have many, many follow-up questions, but let's keep going through this list. Sure. With business stakeholders in the room or one-to-one? -one? I wouldn't recommend doing one-to-one, -one, first of all, because I think it can be intimidating for the person that you're, you're testing. You know, if it's just you versus them, I think that can be quite scary uh, and feel really... Like intimate. <laughs> yeah, it feels too intimate, I think. Uh, so we usually have like for one one person that we're testing, we might have like two to three of us in the room and there could be a stakeholder there present or there could not be. It depends, like if the stakeholder joins on a research trip, for example, then they'll be present in the room. But I've done trips where the stakeholder wasn't there. So we did it just us designers and researchers. But then what we usually do is we record the session and we actually also stream it live. Oh. So our stakeholders back in Amsterdam, if they're awake, can actually jump onto it and, and watch it live from here. That's cool. So they can kind of, uh, well, they're not participating, but they can observe remotely if, if they want to. And even if the stakeholders aren't in the room, do you record them anyway to have them to like refer back to? Yeah, yeah, we do. And and like any like really insightful bits, we might snip that out into a 20 second, you know, clip and share that around. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That was another one of the questions, whether you record them or just stay incognito and, and write notes, I guess. So I think recording makes sense. Uh, another question that you kind of already answered was in the lab or in the coffee shop. So kind of the difference between bringing someone into your environment versus meeting them in their own environment or like a neutral space? Yeah, this is an interesting one because I, I think we're quite unique in that, I don't know. So like when we interview drivers, it's actually very interesting to talk with them in their car um, because that's you're in the, the correct sort of environment. You're in the setting in which they are interacting with the product, right? So in, in this regard with drivers, it's usually not in a lab. Like we're usually with them in their car, Sometimes we'll take a trip with them and then at the end of the trip we will like do a little testing session on the phone in the front seat. But other times we do ask people to come in. So like with riders, sometimes we get them to come in or sometimes we also meet them at a coffee shop if it's more convenient for them. Uh, and with drivers, sometimes we invite them in. We have uh, these green light hub centers in uh, lots of cities around the world, which is basically a support center, a physical place that drivers can go and get help and support and set up their account and things like that. And so sometimes we go there and, you know, find some drivers to talk to or invite them into the Greenlight Hub and have like a roundtable session with them. 
Do you think it has a big effect on the results of the test? Whether you're, because I can imagine it's more true to life if you're getting the person to test what you've designed for the app in their car where they're actually going to be using it versus sitting at a table in you know, in an office or something. Oh yeah. Like when we are in their car and doing a user test, like we go as far as like asking if they can take their phone off the mount in the dashboard and put our testing phone on the mount. Oh, cool. So it's like right there as where it would actually be, where it would actually yeah. be as if it was their own phone, you know, and you're in their car. So it's a very, you know, true to life kind of environment. Uh, so I definitely think that makes a difference as opposed to having it like on a table in a in a meeting room, for example. Yeah. And another question that goes along with this that Sergey asked was on a Mac versus on a PC. And the way I take this to mean, and well, I don't know if this is what he was asking, but it's like, what tool are you going to use versus what the user who you're testing with uses on a day-to-day basis? I imagine that could have a huge effect. Like, for example, if I was asked to test something on a PC, it could be really well designed, but because I don't know, the scroll goes the other way or something, then I would get, you know, caught up with it. Yeah, no, this is fair. We, so we've mostly tested on Android phones uh, because this is the most commonly used type of phone, especially for our drivers. So I, I don't think it's a conscious decision for us. Like, should we test on iPhone or Android? We're just mostly sort of an Android first kind of design org because that's what most people use. Um, but if, if, if it was the case where let's say they were an iPhone user and we gave them an Android and I could see that they were struggling because of, you know, the different OS, then I'd probably step in and switch it out for an iPhone because you don't want that to affect the, the results. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another question based on this, like, you know, using it on the phone, do you use a mock prototype or a coded product in the testing? Prototype. Okay. So typically we are testing at like early stages. So I've done testing where it's literally like gray boxes. Uh, you know, it's not high fidelity design. Mostly it's prototypes as we get later on into the the design process. The designs do become more high fidelity, but they remain as prototypes. So we're not testing uh, actual stuff unless let's say we have completed the design process the product's been built, we've shipped it out. There there are times where we might go back like a month or two after we launch a new feature and test and see how that feature is actually going. And in that case, we would probably use, you know, a live, like the live app, for example. Yeah, so all the user testing that I've done has been on the live, well, website in my case. It's been testing flows on our marketing site. So yeah, it has been the live site. What's there more with the mind of, what should we be improving and you know how could we how could we improve this rather than this is a new idea and let's see how people deal with it yeah yeah that makes sense and so another question that's on this list is before you ux research or after and i kind of think that both is an answer here what what do you think uh i kind of see user testing as part of user research yeah, yeah you're right so yeah. i don't know if i understand this question but essentially we involve user research really heavily throughout the whole design process particularly in the beginning you know when we're trying to understand more about the problem space and gain some insights and you know how are people currently experiencing this thing or what what, what would they like to see and take that into consideration during our exploration phase yeah it makes sense 
yeah, as well, we also include them at the end, even after a product is launched, if we want to go back and do some feedback testing and things like that for future iteration. Cool. Okay. So I think, I feel like that gives us a good rundown of the process. Is yeah. there anything more you want to add to like the overview before we get into some details? I do want to add that it's really important to take notes. Oh, okay. Yep. Even if you are recording the session, we always have someone who is sort of the dedicated note taker in the room usually me because I happen to be the fastest typer usually. <laughs> usually I am like furiously typing and taking notes throughout the whole session and I take really detailed notes. Some people are more like bullet point style but I quite often, not, not the whole thing, but will type like verbatim a lot of what the, the user is actually saying and this is really helpful because you can use that those quotes uh, you know, in future for like when you're writing your reports or sharing out insights and things like that. And it's also nice, like we do it in a Google Doc and usually, so I'm typing and like the other people in the room also have the doc open so they can see. And this is nice because people can leave comments on the fly. Like if they say something really interesting, we'll, you know, someone will highlight it and add a comment in the side and that can kickstart a discussion, which reminds me of another point, which is that it's really important to not talk amongst yourselves during these testing sessions. This is something I kind of learned the hard way where like my researcher would be, you know, leading the interview and asking questions. And then the other designer and I would sometimes, uh, you know, start talking amongst ourselves like about what was going on. And I should add also that we have typically a translator because in this case, we were doing interviews in Mexico, so they were speaking Spanish. So, you know, my designer and I would start having side conversations in English about what was happening and kind of realized that it's not super polite and is also a bit interrupting for like the session that's going on. So that's another really big point um, as to why I think it's good to take notes is because you can have these conversations, you know, in comments or whatever throughout the, the note taking so yeah, try not to talk to each other during the interview, be respectful of what's going on. And then the, you know, the time that this person has taken to come in and give you these insights is obviously super valuable. So yeah, do, do thorough note taking and don't talk. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. Good advice. <laughs> Can we go right back to kind of the very start? And this is the main issue I have right now and why I'm not doing user testing. And Joshua summed it up in, in a tweet said, Easy recruiting is probably the biggest barrier I have to doing more frequent and smaller but meaningful studies. Any strategies for that would be great. Yes, I agree, Joshua. It would be great. I don't really know how to recruit the right person and like what makes the right person. You mentioned before that someone in the supermarket has used Uber before. So there like would be a candidate and I was like, oh, interesting. So you want someone who does have familiarity with your product or do you want people who are fresh to it so that they, I don't know. I guess it depends on if you're testing the first impression versus the regular user thing. Yeah, I think it depends on what you're testing. Uh, in our case, where we're mostly working on like new features or improvements to existing features, uh, then we have a very specific user in mind who already uses the product, uh, especially with, with drivers, right? Like they're using it all the time. And so we want to make sure we create a good experience for them. And we're not really focused, at least me personally, I'm not focused on driver recruiting and finding, you know, adding more people to the platform. I'm focused on making the current experience better. So it, it depends. But the question, you know, how to recruit, 
we have a data scientist that helps us with this, which is really nice. So they are able to do some data query magic. Like we basically put in a a request like, hey, we want to talk to this kind of person who maybe like, I don't know, drives this many times a week, lives in this city, has had, has experienced this thing or whatever. And so they can kind of do a query and find the right people for us, which is really useful. Cool. But if you don't have that available to you, then I think like... I'm sure that you know someone that uses your product that's probably a good candidate. And I think this kind of comes back to like, you know, you should always be having conversations with people that are using your product. And that way you can, you know, you'll, you'll find these people that you can kind of keep in mind, like, okay, well, they use my, the product in this way, which was really interesting. And in the future, if something comes along, then you're like, oh yeah, remember Sally, we met last year at the conference and how she was really struggling with this issue. Maybe we should reach out to her and see if she'd be interested in participating in a test. Yeah, I think my main problem actually is that most people that I know do know something about our product because I work on the marketing side, right? So I'm all about that first initial stages, the initial impressions, initial learning about things and getting people to sign up. So I don't really want people testing the marketing site who already have an account or already have a good solid understanding of Sever, the email marketing software platform I work for. Well, the other thing you could do that I've seen people do is put calls out on Twitter or in a Slack community or things like that. Right. Which could be another way to recruit, right? Like, and there you're obviously more likely to get people who maybe aren't familiar with your product as opposed to if you're only reaching out in your community, then you're more likely to find someone who has used it or is at least familiar with it. So I guess you kind of got to go to those places where... They're, you know, they're not likely to be there or you're likely to find someone who maybe hasn't interacted with it before. Yeah, true. So in my case, our audience is online creators. Perhaps I could be going into like, I don't know, a Facebook group for bloggers or, or something, you know, and, and asking there. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally, totally. Yeah. So kind of go to where the people are, but maybe aren't on board yet. Yeah, I've, that's what I've found difficult in the past too with, So the user testing I've done has been on uh, testing platforms online, like usertesting.com. And I think another one that Sergey mentioned was what users do. So these are platforms that you set up some questions and it's kind of autonomous in that the user selects the task and records their screen and microphone and talks their way through looking at a thing. It's not like you directing it as such. You are kind of because you're asking the questions, but it's not real time. That's what I'm looking for. And the problem with that was always getting the right people. Like we'd say, this was when I was at zero, we were doing this. We'd say we want someone who was a small business owner who like, you know, needs software for their finances, essentially. And you'd get people doing it. Some people would have a thing, like a a small business that they were running. But a lot of people just were doing user tests because it's a way to make 20 bucks on the internet, you know. And so the insights that we'd get from them aren't super useful because they weren't the ideal, like candidate for it so yeah recruiting has been the biggest problem for me so far in user testing and I'm excited to go and actually try and seek some people out and stop using that as an excuse so thank you for that advice Wim. <laughs> yeah no all good I, I'm not familiar with these user testing softwares and platforms but I know they exist we do everything ourselves and I find I, yeah I can't really compare because I, I haven't yeah I don't have much to compare to but I find doing them like 
in in person and I mean it could be remotely as well but like you leading the discussion and not relying on them like doing it by themselves answering some questions you know being able to have the ability to ask a follow-up question or like try and uncover their motivation more is so valuable so maybe even though it's more time consuming and probably a bit more costly uh, it could be worth you trying to just you know, do it yourself uh, and not through the software and try and recruit on your own and lead a session uh, could be an interesting comparison. So if that's what we're getting to, because we had another question here, uh, Taylor said, I'm on to look out for web user testing strategies and resources that are feasible for smaller scale projects. Freelancer here, often working on short under 20K project contracts. So this is also a thing for me and my team as well. Like even though we're not a freelancer and, but we don't have the resources that Uber does to go fly to all of our potential customers, you know, to do marketing user testing. So I think we need something that's user testing on a smaller scale too. Also because we don't have the teams and like, you know, small project teams, whatever necessary to focus in on a certain feature, like, like you, you, you all have at Uber. So smaller scale, I think that online platforms are more, enticing I guess because it seems easier but what I hear from you potentially and I might be projecting so tell me if I'm wrong is it's better to have quality over quantity so it's better to find one right person and do one good user test like real time talking to them in person whether you know remote or actually sitting in a coffee shop or something than pay for like five tests on usertesting.com would would you say that's correct i would say that's correct uh our testing sessions can run up to like 90 minutes wow quite an undertaking yeah it's quite an undertaking and we want to get a picture broader than just how they interact with the thing we're testing you know like we want to know their background and we want to know their motivation. Like for example, with drivers, like why do you drive? What do you do with the money you earn from the platform? Uh, what time of day do you drive? What, like, where do you live in the city? Do you live, you know, in an upscale apartment or are you living out in the suburbs? Are you living in a favela? You know, we want to paint more of a broader picture of who this kind of person is because they're like one of our, one of our user stories, I guess you could say like a, a persona, right? We want to paint this like persona picture of who this person is. And we typically try to talk to drivers that are in different buckets, you know, so we might test the same feature on a driver who drives full time and a driver who drives just part time to make some extra cash on the side, like very different motivations. And so how are those motivations in their background going to influence how they experience the the product? Right. And if you're just doing that through a, a user testing tool or whatever, and you're getting like 15 minute videos back, it's not really enough to to get that information and get that insight. So yes, I think I, from my experience, I would say that I would rather go for less, but way more in-depth quality interviews that really help you paint the full picture as opposed to just a snippet of how someone interacts with the product. Right. And so I guess that's even more important if you're doing a small number of tests is to have these different backgrounds like you're talking about so that you can try and cover like a wider range of your users. I will say that just to like stand up for the user testing platforms that we we definitely got a lot of valuable insights from them, even though, you know, there was the odd test where it was someone who was useless because obviously they weren't in the right target market. So, you know, we kind of wrote it off. There was really good nuggets in there, but I do think that 
if we could had done a session like you're talking about, we would have been able to push it much further and get a lot, lot better results out of it. So I don't think that user testing websites, you know, automated ones are completely a write-off and not worth your time, but you kind of have to take them with more of a grain of salt than when you're asking someone person uh, questions in person, right? And you can do the follow-up. It's definitely not going to be as useful, but if it's all you can do, then it's better than nothing is what I'm saying. It's better than nothing. That's a great tagline <laughs> for those sites. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, my advice to Taylor is probably to start off with trying one of those websites uh, or one of those platforms to see if that actually provides you with valuable insights. I think that's a great place to start. You know, if you're not doing any kind of testing right now, or you have absolutely no insight, then yeah, for sure. Go there and, and give that a go and see if you can get valuable insights. If it's not proving to be super valuable, then that's when I would say, okay, well, maybe it's time to, you know, take a step out into the field a little bit more or maybe do a bit more outreach yourself and take on the responsibilities on your own instead of on these platforms. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but just in my experience, I've had more value uh, or a lot of value from doing the sessions, you know, myself or with my team. Yeah. So there's questions about tools. We have one from Gabriella. What tools would you recommend for use for usability testing? Oh, that was a confusing sentence. Uh, I remember there was one where they would record the screen of the user clicking, but it's been a while. So just wondering what new and good tools are. Sounds like the tool that Gabriella is talking about is one of those user testing tools because it does record the screens. But I'm interested to know what you use for mostly the remote stuff, it seems like in person, the tool would be like you're showing them a prototype on whatever, like prototyping software you've used to build it. And there's many different options there uh, if you don't, if you want to name a couple, but mostly yeah, interested in remote. You mentioned Zoom, but how do the people like interact with the app over Zoom? So we send them a prototype link. So if I think back to some of the remote testing sessions we've done, we've used Envision. So we'll send them a Envision link and they will open that up in their browser and do it on the computer. So obviously the downside of that is that they're not doing it on a phone device, which is how the experience should you know, be, be interacted with or will eventually be used. So there's already a bit of that, I don't know if you would call it bias, but there's already a bit of that happening. So it is a different experience because they're using a mouse, right? And they're clicking around and it's not quite the same, but we're essentially recording the whole meeting. So we're recording the screen. They're sharing their screen. I should have mentioned it at the start. They're sharing their screen so we can see the Envision prototype up on their computer and see how they're clicking and interacting with it. And we're recording that whole session. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking you would do but then I was like surely that's too simple no well we like to keep it simple where we can <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes sometimes simple is good yeah cool that makes sense you don't need something super fancy because uh, in vision you can actually you can use Envision for free for a couple of projects if you keep like archiving them so <laughs> there you go um one last thing I want to touch on before this episode goes too long is another thing that I struggle with a lot in user testing and this is from Michael said I would be keen to hear suggestions about how to get the right insights you need to hear, not just what you want to hear and how to consolidate the findings. So what I always struggled with when we'd be setting up these usertesting.com tests was actually what to ask to get the right like response. Cause I don't want to lead them accidentally down a certain path that I want them to take. And you can easily do that if you ask, you know, a question in a leading way. So yeah. How, how do you figure out what to ask? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. Obviously, you want to think back to what your project is or what the problem is you're trying to find out, right? So that's a good place to start. We typically begin interviews with, I wouldn't say personal questions, but just questions about their experience with Uber, for example. Yep, that's a good background. How long have you been driving? Why did you start driving? Um, do you own your own car or... You know, what what are the what type of uh, what time of the day do you typically drive? You know, things like that. So just kind of setting the scene, letting them tell us a bit about how they currently interact with the product and things like that. So we kind of then paint a picture of like, okay, they're kind of this person. And it also is a nice way for them to sort of introduce themselves and things like that. Some sort of, you know, easy introduction like that. I recommend like don't just jump straight into the the problem like give them some time, warm it up and, and hear from them what their current experience is or lack of experience is uh, and kind of find out a bit who they are. And then we kind of jump into the problem space, um, setting the scene up. We, we don't usually tell them what we are testing, right? Like, because that can cause bias. Oh, okay. So we usually keep it pretty open and try to guide the test obviously in, in the direction we want it to go in but we don't start by saying like so we want to test this feature and see what your thoughts are about this thing it would be really easy to do that so I love that you brought that up yeah it would be so easy to do that so we we don't do that we kind of keep it you know mysterious I guess you could say because we don't want to bias their um yeah thoughts I don't know if I have strategies for like what kind of questions you should ask so maybe like trying more open-ended questions is good because that gives them the the window or the space to give a proper answer as opposed to just asking yes or no. You're not going to get very much valuable insights from yes or no questions. And then also I find a good question to always have in the back of my mind is the question why. Uh, like, you know, they tap on something and you're like, oh, why did you tap on that? What what do you think, what did you think was going to happen when you tapped there is always a good one because it kind of helps uncover like what they were expecting and maybe their expectations weren't met why weren't they met uh, so that's really valuable insight there yeah just asking why having open-ended questions and always trying to drill down to the motivation and, and that kind of ties into why like you know why did you do this what were you hoping to see those kind of questions I find are pretty valuable yeah for sure that's making me remember like kind of the structure we used for the ourusertesting.com stuff was mostly getting them to take a look at the page and share their thoughts, like basically thinking out loud as they looked at it, then saying, what would you do next? Then asking them to click on the specific thing that we wanted them to test and saying, what do you, what would you expect when you click this button? And then they would click on it and go, go to the next page and then say, okay, so now, now that you're here, what do you think? Sort of thing. So yeah, leading them through a path or like following them down whatever path they want to go on essentially is the basic premise of user testing, I suppose, right? Seeing how they interact with the thing. Yeah. And another thing that I know, like it's really important to make sure they feel comfortable. Uh, sometimes when we ask them like, oh, what would you do next? They will tell us and not actually do it. So, you know, they would be like, oh, I would uh, tap here. So it's okay. Tap it then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes they require a little bit of extra encouragement to be like, okay, well, go ahead, like, let, let, let's tap on it and find out what happens. Um, so, so make sure that you are also guiding them through interacting with it and not just talking about what they would do, because it's really interesting to see, like, well, first you hear from them, I would tap this and then they tap it and you 
see you know the reaction on their face of what happened like did it meet their expectation or not is uh really interesting so continue to encourage them and guide them through and let them know it's it's okay like this you know in our case we always say a lot to them like this is your phone like this this is your phone you're in the car you just finished a trip you know really help put them in the context of like you're actually doing this in in real life and that kind of helps keep keep them moving Wow. Okay, fam, I'm feeling so inspired right now to just go out and find some users and do some testing. It's not the right time in my like my workload to be doing that. So I will be re-listening to this episode in a couple of weeks so that when we tackle some updates, I am going to be doing some user testing and I want you to hold me to that. Yeah, yeah. No, you totally should. It's It's so valuable and it's also kind of addictive yes I could see how it would be yeah once you do it and you realize how valuable it is you're like oh my gosh like we need to test again or you know uh, so it's it's very very valuable and it's also a great way for you to connect with your customers or, or potential customers and develop that empathy for your users which obviously helps benefit you in your design process awesome okay well I feel like this has been a great episode packed with lots of value and insights from from uber is there any last things you want to add uh, if you're not user testing now maybe you should consider doing it cool okay well if people want to listen to more episodes of this podcast because there's there's a lot of great ones if i do say so myself <laughs> where should they go fam you should go to designlife.fm that's our website you can find episodes there or open your favorite podcast app and search for design life and you should find us in there we're not on Spotify yet. Sorry. We keep getting asked that. We haven't quite figured that out yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're looking at trying to get it on there. So sit tight, Spotify listeners. Yep. Yep. Thank you for your patience. Also, because we had a lot of really great, great, great. <laughs> Can't talk. It's early in the morning. We had a lot of great, really great uh, responses on Twitter today from from people who had questions about user testing when we said we we're going to talk about it. So please join in on that conversation because I think you, you'll agree that your questions really do help improve the episode and then we make sure we're getting you the value that you want to hear. So at Design Life FM is our, is our Twitter account. Please follow us and respond when we ask questions. Cool. See you on the Twitters. See you over there. <laughs> Bye, FM. Bye.